Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Excited today to connect with GREA's very own Stuart Page. Stuart, how's it going? Great, Mark. Thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Glad to have you. So uh, let's get going. And and today we're going to talk a little bit about um, equity. Uh, Stuart Page helped start our equity platform up uh, fairly recently. And uh, so maybe we can go through some case studies today, some common concerns, um, and and maybe just educate the group on, you know, appetite for equity in today's environment. So Stuart, with that, can you tell us a little bit about your background and experience and what you're currently focused on? Absolutely. Uh, former investment banker, private equity professional, um, went to undergrad here in Dallas, Texas at UNT and then left in 07 at the height of the financial crisis. Perfect timing to go be an investment banker in Los Angeles. Uh, it was a great experience working a lot in uh, private placements and M&A out there before moving over to a, um, a private equity shop and working on LBOs. I finished my master's degree out there at Pepperdine before relocating back to DFW in 2017. Uh, to get into the multifamily value add space. Awesome. And then uh, let's let's talk a little bit. You know, what's your current focus? And you've been you've been placing equity for for how long? And and uh, maybe talk a little bit about um, you know what your focus is today. Yeah. So I spent the better part of my career actually placing equity for, <clears throat> for a variety of different companies, uh, mostly real estate developers. Uh, throughout the years in investment banking. And so it's kind of opportunistic to be here with uh, GREA now, um, you know, utilizing the relationships that we have with family offices, high net worth individuals and private equity um, and helping sponsors really just kind of navigate that world right now, finding the best uh, ways to build their capital stack. Very good. So what's the process when a sponsor decides to work with you on a deal that they're looking to capitalize? So the best way to to get involved is to hopefully have some kind of deal already in your hopper that you've underwritten that you at least feel confident that you're going to be in the best and final. At that point, it makes sense to reach out to us and start getting involved with, um, you know, talking to equity groups, looking at if pref equity might be an option. But about the time that you have a deal uh, ready to go and you've already made an offer, is a good time to go ahead and get engaged. Okay. And then, you know, I think a common question just in some of the meetings that we've had is uh, with regard to control provisions. I think the perception is that uh, there's all the, you know, there's certain level of control that, you know, uh, uh, various equity sources might have that that really limit, um, you know, the sponsor. And, and, you know, I think there's been, you know, a lot of syndicators over time that have raised just kind of retail equity from limited partners uh, that have shied away from, uh, you know, taking preferred equity or or other equity sources. Uh, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about control provisions and yeah. maybe help ease some of those concerns. Yeah, great, great topic. Um, it's certainly something that a lot of sponsors that I talk to have concerns over. A friend of a friend of a friend has always had, you know, a bad experience of, you know, a pref equity group or someone trying to take the deal over. What I'll say to that is, you know, the pref equity term sheets and, and their control provisions are going to be no different than what your lender is going to put in place. At the end of the day, these groups are more often than not money managers. They've raised funds, whatever it may be. And so they are, you know, fiduciaries to their investors. Um, and so it's simply, they need to be able to step in if the deal is completely 
uh, needs to be rescued at that point. And so more often than not, you're going to find them to be great partners. They want to be successful in the deal just, just as well as you do. So if you do well, they do well. Um, but they do need to have those provisions in place again in the event that things are uh, spiraling out of control. But um, again, it's no different than the terms that you have within your, your lender docs. Yeah. And it seems like also from our conversations that, you know, not all equity groups are equal. Some, some are much more flexible on timeline and, and, you know, some might not be, you know, such as a family office may be a little more flexible on their, their whole period. Whereas like, you know, a, another private equity company may have, Hey, we've got a five-year horizon for, for our partners. So. Yeah. So sure. there's various kinds of uh, pref equity. You've got your hard pref equity where it may be a, a PE fund that's raised capital and told their investors it's a five to seven year investment and harvest uh, timeline. And so therefore uh, they will need to probably exit the deal uh, within a certain time frame. Whereas a family office, um, they are going to want to hold the asset to maximize as much value as they can. So if it's not the right time to sell and it's year five, they're, they're going to be more favorable to hold on and, and maximize the value. Uh, the other uh, type of PREF equity is going to be participating PREF and they may allow you to fully accrue uh, any kind of payments and then participate in the back end uh, once it's all said and done. So a variety of different PREF equity groups out there. What I will say is it's a great tool, especially with where we're at in the market right now between kind of the bid ask spread between buyers and sellers and being able to kind of bridge that gap with lower leverage opportunities. So it's a great tool to utilize at this point uh, to be able to kind of close that gap and remain competitive. So, yeah. Um, you know, I have clients and there's probably listeners who, you know, aren't, aren't as sophisticated when it comes to their, you know, financial modeling. They may run just a back of the napkin and, they're more basis driven. They know they can make money, you know, at a certain price point based on today's debt market. You know, I have some that obviously that are that are newer. Maybe they've exited, um, you know, a deal or two and have a little bit of experience, but but maybe their underwriting model doesn't uh, include preferred equity or any mezzanine debt or whatever the case may be. Uh, I guess what would your recommendation? You talked a little bit about the process working with a sponsor, but I mean, is there any way you could you could potentially help there? Yeah. So once you have an opportunity underwritten, um, that's about the time that we can go ahead and get involved. We can walk through the underwriting with the sponsor. Uh, we can see if PREF equity actually even makes sense for the deal, but help them to uh, bake that into their capital stack. Again, looking through the various terms and the cash flows of it and making sure that it's aligned with not only the sponsor's needs, but also the LPs that sit behind the uh, PREF equity. So happy to get involved and walk them through step-by-step on how that would work. Okay. Yeah. And then you were talking a little bit about um, uh, the, the kind of target returns that, uh, you know, I guess pref equity or, or equity sources are looking for today. I know that's changed a little bit, you know, from last year, maybe even earlier this year. So it's just general underwriting guidelines. What, what are they, what are they looking for today as far as returns go? Sure. So every group's got a different strike zone. I would say, you know, again, most pref equity groups are going to be aiming for a six to 8% current pay, um, with a 13 to 15% all in, usually with a redemption between three to five years, 1% origination fee. Uh, it does vary. There are groups that will allow you to fully accrue uh, with a higher, uh, you know, all in rate, maybe of a 16 at the end. Um, but every group's got a different strike zone. And so if you're able to find a group that'll allow you to do uh, accrue or even 8% maybe pair pursue along with your LPs that'll allow for the LPs to be able to participate in that cash flow over the whole period, which is really nice. Yeah. 
I think, you know, there's what a lot of sponsors need to understand is um, preferred equity, um, you know, mezzanine debt. There's a lot of similarities between the two, but, you know, really preferred equity is, is an important piece of the capital stack or can be um, and needs to look, be looked at more like, more like debt. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it, it solves for that higher LTV that you're trying to get back to in, in a market where, Lenders are pulling back, LTVs dropping, rates are increasing, things like that. Um, on a proportion, you know, average to your total capital stack, they're taking a smaller piece. Um, and again, they're not getting as high as the back end participation. So it ends up averaging out and being more creative to your LPs in the long run. Yeah. Okay. What about just appetite in general for, for equity groups? I mean, has that changed at all as far as demand goes? Um, or is there more demand, less demand? How's that changed just in the last, you know, six to nine months? Yeah, the demand is still there, especially for DFW and Sunbelt uh, multifamily. The appetite's still there. I think um, everyone's in sort of a wait and see uh, mode right now with what the Fed's going to do. But the capital is already out there. It's already been raised or it's on the sidelines and looking for places to go. And so I think for DFW, Austin, we're still in, you know, one of the best pockets of the country for multifamily. And so there's still an appetite for those opportunities. Um, you may just need to get creative with your hold periods, things like that. But the equity is there and it's it's looking for opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I know probably a potential concern is um, new new equity relationships. Um, and it's like, it, I, I'm imagining it could be a little bit tougher when you've got non-refundable earnest money, uh, your back's against the wall with a timeline and, uh, you know, you're, you're being introduced to new equity relationships. I guess, is there anything uh, you could do to protect against that? So there are ways to protect yourself as a sponsor by including you know, breakup clauses, et cetera, within these uh, equity agreements. And, and typically you're going to want to tie that to whatever your earnest money is so that your downside's protected there. Um, but more often than not, these groups are, they're looking for pipelines of opportunities. So they want to get a deal done with you and they're going to try their best to get it over the finish line. So, yeah. And I imagine a, a good way to start a relationship with an equity group is, you know, maybe you've syndicated through common limited partners or retail equity, um, and maybe a good uh, good avenue is a recapitalization. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all. So recaps right now are actually uh, coming up more and more. I think there's a lot of groups out there uh, who have investors that are looking to exit where the sponsors may want to stay in. So there, there's quite a bit of equity out there that's looking to come in and recap opportunities. And so um, I think if you've got a good asset and it's the right time to take out your partners and recap, then there's private equity groups that would love to come in. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Um, and, and I'm not sure if you hit on it, but as far as decision timelines, what are you seeing from presenting a deal to commitment? Typical timeline is going to be roughly 60 days. I would say that you know, that might be extended a little bit right now. But around 60 days, any private equity group or family office can, you know, dig in and get you an answer before then. And which, you know, again, I know that that's a tight timeline once you go under contract. But the more that you're speaking with these groups, you know, the more they get to know you as a sponsor, uh, that timeline becomes shorter and shorter. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Stuart. I think he answered some common question, also gave us a pretty good picture of the current landscape. What's the best way for listeners to reach out, uh, learn more about, you know, how to work with you? So you can contact me at stuart.page at grea.com. That's S-T-U-A-R-T dot P-A-G-E at grea.com. Or contact me on my cell at 
963-7243. Awesome. Again, Stuart, thanks for your time today. Look forward to reconnecting soon. Likewise. Take care, Mark.